Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a special Patreon quickie episode for all you Patreons out there. So welcome to Patreon quickie episode number two. I keep saying page, calling people Patreons, but I think I believe the term is patrons. So thank you, patrons. <laughs> thank, thank you, dumb, 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 dumb Patreons. Uh, how was your week, Jen? Pretty good. How was yours? Good. I think so far. Good. So far, so good. It's only Tuesday, right? Yeah. I mean, there's I still more days to go. I just read this tweet by a comedian. His name's Dan Sheehan. Um, mm-hmm. It was really, really funny. He pulled it up because I wanted to quote it the right way. He said, the quarantine state of mind is having three solid days where you feel pretty well adjusted, followed by a sudden expected dip into what we call the hell zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's going I viral. It's spot on. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh my God. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm losing my shit. <laughs> I know. Should we get into some oh. quickies? Yeah, let's get into some quickies. Oh, dude, I got a quickie oh, for you yeah. and our patron dum-dums. Okay, so this is a good old-fashioned dumb couple quickie. Ugh, and it actually, you know what? It. it is. This is the first quickie that I ever found, and I never did it. Really? I don't think. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think I just, I found it and then I was like, oh, I don't know if this is exactly right. And that's when we were being more strict about like, this has to do, has to do with a relationship. But now we just tell whatever story we want. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Florida residents, John Arwood and Amber Campbell were at Daytona State College and not there to check out its prestigious nursing program, apparently. (laughs) But instead, these two lovebirds were there to smoke crack in a closet. So (laughs) why not smoke your crack in a closet? Where else are you going to smoke it? I'm (laughs) not in the crack closet. Come on. So they decided. (laughs) (laughs) I smoke my crack in a wardrobe. Okay, so this couple, they, I don't know why they were at the college, but they were there. They weren't students, but they were there. And uh, they decided to smoke crack in this closet. And then the closet door locked behind them. Oh my God, nightmare, nightmare. And they were like, we're trapped in this closet, but we also have all this crack. So what do we do? (laughs) We're going to have to just stay here. So they stayed there for two days and then they ran out of crack. And so they were like, we have to go ahead. We need to call the police because we're going to starve in here. So the police tracked the phone and finally got them out of their makeshift prison. Uh, They technically didn't find any crack because they had uh, smoked it all. all, But the police did find quite a bit of human poop stacked around the little closet. I know. Sorry. That was that too gross. No. Uh, I mean, that's just 
nature, but it's just nature. Everybody poops, man. And sometimes you got to poop in a closet. Batu told police that they were chased into the janitor's closet. Then the door locked behind them. And then so that's what happened. But the best part of the whole story is that the door didn't even have a lock. Oh my God. (laughs) Holy shit. They just thought it did. That's crazy. I will we'll post a picture of these people, but there are some neck tattoos. Oh, of course there involved. Are. <laughs> um God, that's crazy. That re- like, okay, I worked retail for a very long time. I would say uh-huh. I, between like 1990. Since I was like in high school until I was about 30, I worked retail. And yeah. you would be surprised at how many times somebody shat in the fitting rooms. Like, that's not just like a one-time freak thing that happened and we were all like, oh, remember that time somebody shat in the fitting room? It's like, remember last month or was that the month before that or the month? People would do it regularly. Well, tell us your uh, fitting room shit stories, guys. <laughs> Come on, you dumb nose. My brother who – yeah, my brother Damien, who is a a, page, a patron, a Patreon, a paid, a paid dum dum, uh, paying dum dum. He used to work security at for a Sears, so I know he has some really good oh I'm retail stories. Sure, he does, and I want to hear. <laughs> he definitely has some pooping in the fitting room stories oh for my sure. God, and oh. I got all right. You got a you got one? Yeah, I got one, and it's pretty crazy. All right. It's pretty crazy. It's kind of a long quickie. It's more, like kind of too short for a long, um, a crazy story, but longer than a quickie. It's a Mickey. It's a, it's middle, a Mickey. You know what? Mid-length. These people are paying money to hear exactly. this. So That's let's make it, <laughs> let's I make saved it long, this man. one for them. I saved it for you guys. Okay. So this was a Washington Post article written by Sarah Kaplan back in 2016. Noella Rocundo was sitting in a car outside her house in Melbourne, Australia, watching it as people were all coming out. They were all filing out of her house. They're all dressed in black because they were there for a funeral. And not just any funeral. They were there for her funeral. What? Yes. Finally, she sees the man she's looking for, which is her husband, walks out in front of him, and he screams, is it my eyes? Is it a ghost? And she says, surprise, I'm still alive. Oh! Yeah. (laughs) Five days earlier. He was in shock, of course. Yeah. His name is Balenga Kalala, and he was in total shock because five days earlier, he ordered a team of hitmen to kill Noella, his wife, his wife of 10 years. And they had told him that they did it. They even got him to pay a few extra thousand dollars for killing her. But now here she is standing before him and he just totally lost it and started screaming and apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But it was too late. She had already called the police. Here is That's why you just got to do the job yourself. Yes. (laughs) No. <laughs> I realized I just said yes to you. No, Sally. No. Okay. Okay. Here's okay, okay. how it all went down. Okay. okay. So this all happened in 2015. 
This article okay. was written in 2016. So in 2015, Noella had just left her home where she lived with her husband in Melbourne and went to a funeral in Burundi, which is where she's from. Her stepmother had just passed away and she was, you know, grief stricken from the funeral. And she went to her hotel room in Bujumbura, which is, I guess, the capital of Burundi. She laid on her hotel bed and just completely wiped and stressed out and called her husband for support. And apparently he told her to go outside and go get some fresh air. But the Uh second that Noelle stepped outside of her hotel, a man charged forward and pointed a gun right at her. And he said, don't scream. If you start screaming, I'll shoot you. He said, they're going to catch me, but you, you'll already be dead. And so – She was terrified and she did exactly what she was told. They put her inside a car and blindfolded her so she couldn't see where she was going. And after a 30 or 40 minute drive, the car stopped and they took Noella and put her into a building and tied her to a chair. She told ABC that she could hear male voices and one asked her, you woman, what did you do for this man to pay us to kill you? And Noella was like, what are you talking about? And they said, Belenga, your husband, he sent us to kill you. And she thought they were lying. She was like, no way, you're crazy. And they they told her, you're a fool. And then they held up a speaker to her. And on it was a recording of her husband's voice ordering the hit. (gasps) Isn't that crazy? Oh, so so crazy. Yeah. So – They had been married for 10 years. She was a mother of three children, and he had five kids from a previous marriage. So here they are, um, this big family together. And at first she thought of him as a kind person, but over time she learned that he was actually a very violent man. But she said that even though she knew he was violent, she didn't believe that he could kill her. But it looked like he would. But luckily the people that he hired to kill her, they said that they weren't going to kill her because they explained that they didn't believe in killing women. And they also knew Noella's brother. Um, but oh, they, really? Yeah. But they said that they would keep her husband's money and tell him that she was dead. And then after two days, they set her free on the side of the road, but they gave her a cell phone and they gave her recordings of the phone conversation. And <gasps> they gave her literally receipts for 7000 Australian dollars that they re- – a receipt showing that they'd received payment from him. So they gave oh. him uh, her all of this information. Yeah. And they said, we want you to go back and to tell other stupid women like you what happened. And um, which is like <laughs> right. Okay. Well, well, I think mean, cool. <laughs> right. So uh, and then she said that the and then the gang members just drove away. So here she is on the side of the road and she doesn't know what to do. So she ends up calling the pastor of her church in Melbourne and uh-huh. tells him or Melbourne, is that how you say it? I say Melbourne. Melbourne? I think it's I know that Australians are like Melbourne. 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 And then explain. <laughs> so she called the pastor and out of her church in Melbourne and explained to him what happened. And the pastor, without telling her husband, helped her get back home to a neighborhood near Melbourne. So Meanwhile, her husband had told everybody that she had died in this tragic accident and he had the entire community come out and mourn her at the funeral at their home. And then, (sighs) um, yeah. 
And then so on the night of February 22nd, 2015, just as he was waving goodbye to all of his neighbors who had come to confront him is when Noella approached him. And she said she felt like someone who had risen again. And he, you know, denied all involvement at first. But then after she played the phone conversation, she got him to confess. He said... When he begged for forgiveness, he said, sometimes devil can come into someone to do something, but after they do it, they start thinking why I did that thing is what he said. Um, So it was like afterwards, I guess he was like, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. The devil. So weird. Um, So he ended up (laughs) pleading guilty and he was sentenced to only nine years in prison. Isn't that terrible? So according to the judge, Chief Justice Marilyn Warren, had Ms. Rocundo's kidnappers completed the job, eight children would have lost their mother. It was premeditated and motivated by unfounded jealousy, anger, and desire to punish Rocundo. Apparently, he said that he tried to kill her because he thought that she was going to leave him for another man, which she says is bullshit. So even though she survived the ordeal, things were still not easy for her. You know, people left her threatening messages on her phone and she came home one day and found her back door broken. And then she was left with eight children to raise alone and she had to find a new place to live. But she still says that despite all of that, she says, I will stand up like a strong woman. My situation, my past life, that is gone. I'm starting a new life now. Dang. That's the crazy story of, see, it's longer than a quickie, but it right. was a real crazy story. Can you even imagine? I mean, what a like, that's, it's like you almost want that to happen just to see the look on someone's face when you come back from the dead. I know. I mean, I don't want my husband to like hire kidnappers to murder me or anything, but if he did, I would want to come back. (laughs) And oh, um, yeah, I would make a whole thing of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like haunt him. I wouldn't even just like come out first and be like, it's me, motherfucker. I would like spend months. Right. <laughs> just like letting him get little glimpses of you. Yeah. And be like, is that, was that her? Yeah. And then like just make him go slowly crazy. Yes. That's what I would yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. And then I would show up not at home. I think I would show up somewhere like Whole Foods or like Target <laughs> <laughs> to really fuck with him. I would show up when he goes to get married again and someone's like, so this may be years. Like, and then when they're like, the does anybody time. does anybody object? I'd be like, yes, his wife. Oh my <laughs> and God. And then I yeah. take off my hat. And then everybody, uh, I've got this is great. I hope I hope right. Ben hires a hitman. Okay. I take mine back. I'm going with yours. That sounds <laughs> Can I end with like a nice, nice story? Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, we make okay because I we oh right oh that's right yeah. This is our show, you guys. This is our show. We make the rules. You can't <laughs> tell me what to do. Especially okay. Not so on if the I saw Patreon. this. 
Yeah, we do what we want on the Patreon. <laughs> so I saw this story on the Instagram account Good News Movement, which is just delightful. And everybody should follow because it's just makes you feel so good. And you may have already seen this story. So there was a guy, his name is Captain Tom Moore. He lives in Bedfordshire. And he decided, he had the idea he wanted to raise a thousand pounds for the National Health Service charities by walking around his garden a hundred times just before his 100 birthday. Oh, wow. um, so he had this idea. I think he probably told his like grandkids and great grandkids. And then it started attracting attention. And before he even started, it had raised $17 million. Whoa. He actually, he said he started his mission to thank the NHS workers who treated him for cancer and for a broken hip. So he went out in his full regalia with his medals that he had earned while he, he was in the British Army. Because it gained so much attention, soldiers who are now in the unit that he used to be in came to salute him every time he did a lap. Oh my God. And so he did 82 laps. And at the end, he said, I feel fine. I hope you're all feeling fine, too, with a walker. He actually went so viral that there were more than 800,000 donors, and it crashed the site. It's called Just Giving. (laughs) And they actually, that site actually donated 125 more thousand dollars to the campaign. Oh, and he said, he said, it's a fantastic sum of money. I would have never imagined that sum of money. It's unbelievable that people have been so kind. Maybe I was responsible for starting it, but not deliberate deliberately. It was purely out of gratitude for what they've done to me. So he's going to turn a hundred years old on April 30th. And he's already received hundreds of birthday cards from fans around the country, from everyone thanking him for all that he's done. And he said, um, you've all got to remember that we will get through it in the end. It will be all right. For all those people finding it difficult in the mo- in the moment, the sun will shine on you again and the clouds will go away. Oh, I love Isn't that. that. Nice? And I believe Yeah, and him. you got to see this picture of, of him. He's so darn cute <laughs> oh that's so great i'm glad that you you uh surprised us with a little happiness at the end there a little happiness you know we gotta we gotta we gotta end on an inspiring note you're right <laughs> cool well yeah there we go Patrons. there's a bonus quickie episode number two we hope you guys enjoyed yeah and, i hope uh, you guys are all doing well we love you we miss you we do we really do. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with more uh, content for you real soon. We promise. Yeah. That's All right. Well, you guys. promise to you. Have a great, great week and stay inside and, then- and do something dumb for love. Dum-da-dum, 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 dum-